Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Rhea. Good morning, everyone. I want to start this morning off by telling you a story about a kid by the name of Anthony Mahaverick. Anthony grew up in California, and he grew up in a broken home. His mom was addicted to drugs. Dad left. Mom married a step, had a stepdad move in. And both of them abused drugs and physically and verbally abused their three children. Now, Anthony was the oldest of his three siblings. So on multiple occasions, he would put himself into harm's way to protect his two younger siblings. He had a very tough upbringing, never had enough food or enough clothes or enough to even really get by in life. In fact, at 17 years old, his parents kicked him out of the house because they literally didn't have enough money to feed him or clothe him any longer. So he was living on his own at 17. He got a job as a janitor during the week, and on the weekends, he would help people move into their homes. And one weekend, he was helping a man move, and he noticed that he was moving this man into a pretty nice house. And so this is a young kid at 17 trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. No one's ever spoke any life into him, and so he asked this man, how did you become wealthy? How did you get find success in life. And the guy said, well, to be honest with you, there was a seminar I went to that really changed my mindset. There was a guy by the name of Jim Ron, and he was a motivational speaker and performance coach back in the 70s and 80s. And this guy told this young Anthony, he said, that one conference really gave me confidence and changed my mindset so that I could do some things and believe that I could accomplish some things in my life. So Anthony was excited. He he went and he found out that this guy was going to be coming and speaking at a conference near him soon. And he gave his entire paycheck. This event cost him his entire paycheck for one week to go to this event. But he went and he listened to this man, Jim Ron, speak. And he was mesmerized by a man who felt like he had such self-confidence and such a positive mindset. So Anthony went up to Jim and he said, would you mind if I worked for you? You don't even have to pay me a lot. I just want to learn from you and work for you. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Whatever anyone else doesn't want to do, I'll do. And this guy, Jim, was impressed with Anthony's humility and willingness to learn. So he brought him on his staff and on his team. And he mentored him. And he became a father figure to Anthony. And Anthony learned the power of having a right mindset in this life. Positive mindset, not a negative one. And Anthony ended up changing his name to Tony Robbins and by age 26, wrote a best-selling book and became a self-millionaire who's devoted his entire life 
to motivational speaking, leadership coaching, and performance coaching, and I think we all know the name Tony Robbins. Didn't start well for Tony, but he was able to turn it around and continuing to this day, huge philanthropist, helping a lot of people get free. And the point of that story is this, it's our mindset is critical to our success. Our mindset is critical to our success. And that's actually a very biblical concept. It's a kingdom principle. There's all kinds of verses in the Bible that talk about the importance of having the right mindset as we go through life. And as we're studying Ezra and Nehemiah in this series we're calling Rise and Build, it's all about us rising up, the church rising up, getting our passion for God back, becoming set apart, and going after building the kingdom of God again. But the only way we are going to be able to accomplish that purpose is if we have the right mindset. It's key. We will not be able to do this unless we have a healthy mindset. So, so far in this story, where we're at right now, and I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to the previous parts of this series, to go back and listen to them. But right now where we're at today in the story is the people of God have moved back to Jerusalem. The temple is built And they are beginning to worship and rediscover the Mosaic Covenant, read the law. Ezra's leading the charge and getting people more passionate about God's ways and God's laws. So he's got all the people together. They're reading the word and they're they're trying to do things right. And we pick up this story in Ezra 9, chapter 9, verse 10. It says this. But now, our God, what can we say after this? For we have forsaken the commands you gave through your servants, the prophets, when you said, this land you are entering to possess is a land polluted by the corruption of its peoples. By their detestable practices, they have filled it with their impurity from one end to the other. Therefore, do not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them at any time, that you may be strong and eat good things of the land and leave it to your children as an everlasting inheritance. So just a quick snapshot of what's happening here. Ezra is relearning the law. He's going back to what some of the prophets spoke about. And this was a prophecy when God was going to take his people into the promised land. He said, listen, you're about to go into a land with a lot of messed up people doing a lot of messed up things. I don't want you to partake in what they're doing because some of the things they were doing was worshiping false gods. They were worshiping gods of immorality and sexual immorality. They were sacrificing their sons and daughters to these gods in really weird ways. They were murdering each other. They were eating things that would create disease. They just didn't have a lot of health and wellness awareness that God was trying to teach his people. They were doing all kinds of weird things. And he said, that's not what I have for you. I want you to be different. So don't 
Just so you know, you're entering a land where there's a lot of different nations, a lot of different foreign gods, a lot of things going on, things I don't want you participating in. And in order to ensure that, I don't want you to marry with the people in these lands because they're going to bring their religion and their beliefs and all their things into your land. And they're going to corrupt you and pull your mindset and create an unhealthy mindset within you and my people. I just don't want that. So as I was reading that, we go on in verse 13. He says this, what has happened to us as a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt and yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins deserve. Can I get an amen? God punishing us less than our sins deserve. And you've given us a remnant like this. Shall we then break your commands again and intermarry with the peoples who commit such detestable practices? Would you not be angry enough with us to destroy us, leaving us no remnant or survivor? Lord, the God of Israel, you are righteous. We are left this day as a remnant. Here we are before you in our guilt, though because of it, not one of us can stand in your presence. So Ezra is trying to lead the people into humility and repentance. God, we've messed up in the past. In fact, that's the reason why we were exiled to a land that is no longer our land. We are sorry for that sin. We did not follow your ways. We did not do what you told us to do. And we are repenting. And I love this. It's, it's humble. It, there's an act of humility here. And repentance is a part of our, it's been a part of our faith since the very beginning. And it's still a part of our faith. And I love that when we repent and we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Ezra's leading the people in this repentance. We go on in the story, Ezra 10, chapter 1 through 4. While Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping, and throwing himself down before the house of God, a little bit of a drama queen, but okay. A large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children, gathered around him. They too wept bitterly. Then Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, one of the descendants of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. But in spite of this, there is still hope for Israel. Now let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and those who fear the commands of God. Let it be done according to the law. Rise up. This matters in your hands. We will support you. So take courage and do it. This is a tough portion of scripture. This is one I was wrestling with all week in studying and looking into the context of what was really happening here. Because you have these men, these leaders of Jerusalem, and they're trying desperately to do things the right way this time. They really want to lead God's people towards the right place. They want them to be holy and walk in God's ways. But yet there was sin that had taken place the Bible talks about how when the Israelites came back from Babylon, there were certain Israelites who married not just Babylonians, but eight different nations around Babylon. So they're bringing a lot of different culture and a lot of different false gods and a lot of these practices back to Israel. 
And this scared the leaders of Israel because they didn't want to fall into the same temptation that they did before. Now remember with me, Pastor Tony, in the first week of this series, he talked about how when the king of Persia told the Israelites they could go back and build their temple and go back to their land, only a small portion went. A lot of people stayed and were comfortable in Babylon. They said, hey, we're going to stay here. We like it here. We like the customs here. We like the religion here. We like life here. But the small remnant went back, and these were the people who really wanted God. They really wanted to live for Him. So they come back, and they realize, okay, we've got some foreigners here. We've got some men who married women from a different nationality and different religion as us. The Mosaic Law said not to do this, so we're going to tell them that they need to go. We're going to send the women and the kids packing back to Babylon or back to their homeland. And I want to note, God didn't tell them to do this. It was written in the Mosaic Law before, but God didn't tell them to send the kids and the women back. They did this. This is our response a lot of times to trying to fix sinful behavior or things in our life that aren't holy or healthy. We probably do this with ourselves, with each other, with our spouses, with our kids, with our parents. Is we don't like a behavior, so we look at the behavior and we try to get rid of the behavior. You can't undo sin. You can't undo the past. And these people, I believe, were people who really wanted a true heart transformation and to live for God. And I don't think God wanted to destroy their family by sending away kids and sending away moms. However, what I will say is it came from a deep desire to please the Lord. Ezra was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to rid the camp of anything that would pull God's people away from God. But I just don't like that he broke up families in order to do it. But I do understand why. You see, we do the same thing. We try to fix our brokenness and our sinful behaviors with picking out the behavior, fixing the surface, instead of really getting to the heart of the matter. But the problem is if we don't fix the deep-rooted issues in our own lives, if we don't look at what's beneath the surface, we will never see true transformation in our life. We will never see healthy patterns of behavior because there's something broken inside that we need to address. You know, a few weeks ago, I was looking outside at my backyard and I was noticing there was a lot of weeds in my rock garden in the landscaping in the backyard. So one day, my wife and I, we went out there and we started pulling weeds. And about 70% of the weeds that we pulled up, we got the root out too. You know, when you pull that weed and you see the root and you're happy because you're like, hey, I got the whole thing, that thing ain't coming back. But about 30% of these weeds, we didn't get the root. We pulled just the top off. 
and we couldn't get to the root of the weed. So what happened was after about a week, the rock garden looked beautiful, no weeds, but then after about a week, the ones, the 30% of the weeds, we didn't get to the root of the problem, they sprung up again. This is what happens over and over in our own lives. When we don't get to the root of our, our issues, we keep repeating same behavior patterns. We have issues with addiction. We have issues with anger. We have issues with guilt. We have issues with people. Bitterness, unforgiveness. And because we just say, well, I just need to be less of this, and we tack the behavior, we never see true change and transformation in our hearts. Because we're married to the wrong mindset. I love what, first, what Proverbs says in Proverbs 23, 7. It says this, God says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. As a person thinks about themselves, so they are. What we believe about ourselves determines our future choices, our future behavior, our future period. If you find yourself struggling with something over and over again, and you keep saying to yourself, I'm going to get free one day, it's going to take more than willpower and self-control to get free. I'll give you an example of this. You get two people who come from the same exact family. Two people, maybe they come from the same abusive family. One of them takes on a victim mentality in life and they begin to say bad things always happening bad things are always happening to me nothing ever goes my way poor me I'm a victim and what ends up happening is that person usually ends up stuck spiraling in life but you have another person from the same family that says I'm an overcomer no matter what life throws at me I am going to move forward. And you see that person end up having success in life, going on to do things and change their family tree. Two people, same family, only thing that's different is the mindset. As we think, so we are, so we do. Our mindset matters. James March, a professor at Stanford University, he calls this the identity model of decision-making. He says there's pretty much three questions we subconsciously, subconsciously ask ourselves when making a decision. Here are the three questions we ask ourselves when we're about to make any decision, when we face any temptation in life. Who am I? What kind of situation is this? And what would someone like me do in this situation? These are the three questions we ask ourselves when we face huge life decisions, when we face the temptations in this world, and it all comes down to what we believe about us, our mindset. Who am I? What kind of situation is it? What would someone like me do in this situation? I want you to think about some behaviors in your life 
that you would like to start doing or stop doing? We all have a list, right? Man, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to stop doing this. We make our lists. A lot of people call them New Year's resolutions. And what happens is they peter out. But maybe you make a list of some habits you want to start or stop doing. You make declarations like this. I'm going to go to the gym and eat more healthy. I'm going to start that. I'm going to start this week. Maybe it's, I'm going to start reading my Bible, praying, worshiping, journaling every day. I'm going to start that habit. I'm going to stop binge-watching so much Netflix. Or I'm going to stop scrolling on my phone three hours a day. Maybe that's a goal. Or I'm finally going to break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend because this relationship is so toxic. I'm finally going to do it for good. I'm going to stop yelling at my kids so much, putting so much pressure on them. I'm going to quit smoking someday. I'm going to stop hitting snooze so I can actually get to work early instead of late. I'm going to create a budget and get out of debt and become financially free. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to give my kids a better life. These are habits that we say we want to start doing or stop doing. We make this these declarations, and then time after time after time, we fail to follow through. Why? It's because we're married to a negative mindset and a lie that we've begun to believe about ourselves. So I'll give you some examples of this. You drink too much or use drugs on a regular basis, your underlying belief is that the only way to escape my stress and pain is to medicate myself. That's the lie. That's the belief. When you choose not to read your Bible, I, don't, I just don't feel like reading it. I'm just not into it. Your underlying belief is you don't believe God's promises are true for you. Or... You feel so much shame or guilt, you don't feel like you can go before God. These are the lies we believe. When you continue in a toxic relationship, your underlying belief is you don't deserve better. You don't deserve any better than what you have right now. Do you see how these behaviors, they stem from a negative identity about ourselves? It's like treating an illness. Sometimes you go to the doctor and you have some kind of illness. What do they want to do? If you're in pain, they'll give you a pain medicine. And that doesn't cure your illness, but that maybe makes your pain less. It solves a symptom of your problem. But if you're going to get better, they have to actually treat the illness. And once they treat the illness, you'll no longer have pain in that situation you got to get to the root or the heart of the problem. And motivation and willpower and self-control, as important as they are, they're limited until we create new beliefs about ourselves. If we don't create new beliefs about what we believe about ourselves, we will never see lasting change in our lives. Even if you're a Christian, Even if you profess faith in Christ, 
God is in the business of transforming lives, but there are plenty of Christians I know that have been Christians a long time and still struggle to start and stop certain behavior patterns. Why is this? It's because we haven't changed our belief. Scientists use cybermetrics theory. They say there's two different ways we can change as human beings. First, there's what they call first order change. This is behavior modification. I'm gonna commit to starting or stopping a certain behavior. It's called first order change. And what they've seen is they've seen spikes where when a person gets determined to change a behavior, you start out strong, but it fades over time. Then the second approach is what scientists call second order change. The focus isn't on acting differently, but on thinking differently, especially about yourself. And I love when science lines right up with the Word of God. Because Paul said this in Romans 12 too, nearly 2,000 years ago. He said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How does God transform us? By changing the way we think. He helps us create a new mindset. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, changing the way you think. This is how we see lasting change in our lives. I have a friend right now who's my age, I'll just say in their 40s somewhere. (laughs) And his entire life, I remember he's a childhood friend. In his entire life, people called him a procrastinator. I mean, everywhere he went. He waited too long to do his homework until the last minute. His teachers called him a procrastinator. His parents called him a procrastinator. His coaches called him a procrastinator. And guess what? He believed it. And he took that on as his identity. And at 40-some years old, he's still procrastinating. Still hasn't done much with his life. I have another friend who was told his whole life, you never follow through. You have good ideas, but you never follow through on anything. And he took that on as an identity. He would start things and not finish them. All the time, there'd be these little great ideas started, but never finished. And one day, a woman came into his life and said, I believe in you. You are not what people have said you are. You can finish things. You can be successful. And she began to speak life into him over and over and helped him create a process to finish what he started. And that same friend now, in his 40s, overcame the label of not following through and is one of the greatest people of follow through I've ever seen in my life. 
gone on to be very successful in life. He's a Christian man. He's raising his kids as a Christian person. And they have a great Christian home. He's successful in what he does. He has a good marriage, good family. See, our mindset is important. And what happens is many of us have been labeled things by people we care about. And we begin to believe those things to be true about us. When you hear something over and over and over again, it starts to take a toll on your mind. Psychologists call it the looking glass self. We see ourselves through the eyes of others and let those people define us. What do others say about me? And we live our lives defined by that. Defined by maybe what your parents said. Maybe a teacher told you, a coach. Maybe your peers, maybe a bully. And we've taken on that label. And that's our identity and we're stuck because our mindset is stuck. We can also define ourselves by our worst sins and habits. No one knows us better than ourselves. And a lot of us have unhealthy mindsets and beliefs about ourselves because we know the struggle we have. We know the sins or bad habits that we've had. And we think, man, if anyone knew this, they'd think I'm a terrible person. I must be a terrible person. I'm a horrible Christian. I'm lazy. I'm an addict. I'm a loser. These are the mindsets that a lot of people have when no one's watching. This is what we think about ourselves. But I want to tell you, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You're not the sum of your poorest choices. You're not a label that other people have put on you. The reason we believe that is because we have an enemy that is constantly lying to us and trying to get us to believe the worst about ourselves because it keeps us stuck. 1 Peter 5a says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. John 8, 44 says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And what he's lying to us about is our very identity, the foundation of who we are. And if he can get us to believe lies about ourselves, we will not believe the truth. And we will be stuck with a negative mindset. Just like he did when he enticed God's people, the Israelites, to marry outside of the Israel nation. He was saying, well, it's not so bad over there. Their beliefs aren't that different than yours. They won't get you to stray as much. And little by little, when they began to intermarry, all of a sudden they were adopting these detestable practices. And it was pulling away from the heart of God. In the same way the enemy is lying to us today, although he can't do some of the things he did before because we are saved by Jesus Christ and covered by his blood, he's still lying to us today. These are some of the things that the enemy tries to tell us. Maybe 
you've heard these sayings rattle around in your mind before. You are a spiritual failure. You will never amount to anything. You're pathetic. You're worthless. You will never change. You'll never change. Your kids will never change. It's your fault. You don't have what it takes to turn this around. You can never be healthy. You're going to be unhealthy the rest of your life now. You can't be pure. You've made so much mistakes when it comes to purity. You think you can ever be called pure again? You can never have a good marriage. That's not in the cards for you. Maybe other people, but not for you. You're not going to have a good family life. Not you. You don't deserve it. You're not going to be financially free. You, a spender like yourself, an undisciplined person, you are going to be bound the rest of your life. Just accept it. Just deal with the fact this is who you are. I mean, think about your age. You haven't changed yet. You're not changing going forward. This is who you are now. You try to pretend to be someone you're not. But if those people at church knew what was really going on in your heart, in your mind, they'd never allow you to walk in that place again. Lies. Constant lies about ourselves. But the only way to stop believing the lie is to replace a lie with the truth. So I want to give you some truth this morning of who God says you are. What our identity in Christ really looks like. This is what the Bible says. That we're sought after. God's pursuing us. He's seeking after us. That we're precious in His sight. That we're a new creation in Christ. That we're not condemned. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That we're loved. God so loved the world He came that we're accepted, not rejected. We have not disqualified ourselves. We are accepted. And I, I can sense some of you, you're getting this in your, this is great, but it might be true for others, but not me. This is true for all of us. I'm a child of God, son and daughter of the living God. I'm Jesus's friend. I'm free. I'm free. You're not going to be bound your whole life. You can be free. You are free. Christ died to provide freedom. You're the temple of God. You're God's treasured possession. You're complete in Christ. You are chosen. You are called. You are an ambassador of the Most High God. And I love this one. You're God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece. Do you believe that? 
that you're a masterpiece. You're able to do all things through Christ who gives you the strength and you're more than a conqueror through Jesus. That's who we are. That's who all of us in this room who call ourselves Christ followers are. That's our identity. And if we started to believe that, our behaviors would change. If we really started to believe that deep down inside and we kept speaking that over ourselves day in and day out, we would actually begin to believe it. The problem is these lies are louder than the truth sometimes. And we might see some progress, but then we start believing the lie again and again and again, and we stop believing the truth. Chris, I want to believe that's true, but you don't know me. I'll take two steps forward and three steps back. I want to believe you, but you, you don't know. I am what the enemy says I am. No, you're not. You are not the sum of your past mistakes or choices. God believes in you. You're his masterpiece. The word says he'll never leave you or forsake you. Never. He's with you. He's got grace for you. Way more grace than you have for yourself. Way more. We got to start believing these truths. What I did is I asked our creative team to make these statements available to you as a downloadable PDF. If you're on our website app, the, the app for this Sunday, you can download these statements. I'd love for you to print them out and put them on your mirror. The mirror you get ready at every morning. I want you to put these declarations on your mirror and I want you to read them over yourself every morning to start to change the mindset and the negative belief that we've created about ourselves. Every morning, I'm sought after. I'm precious in His sight. I'm a new creation. I'm not condemned. God's with me. I'm accepted. He, I'm loved. Some of you have never been loved or accepted by anyone in your life, but you are now through Christ. Your bad decisions are not greater than God's power to redeem and restore your life. You're giving yourself too much credit and Him not enough. He wants to redeem. He wants to restore. And no amount of just rolling up my sleeves, willpower is going to will us to stop behaving in certain ways or to start behaving in certain ways. It's getting to the heart and actually believing the truth. Then all of a sudden, naturally you start doing things different because you're thinking different. Our mindset is key. It's the, it gives us the power to change and transform. You see, back in our story, When they sent away the women and the children from the other nations, they thought that was going to be the thing that led to change. It didn't. 
you're going to find out as we go forward in Nehemiah. They still didn't change. Their, heart, their heads still couldn't get it because they were trying to perform and they were focused on behavior instead of true heart change and transformation. So it's so key. If we're going to walk this walk and live for Christ, it's going to take more than willpower. It's going to take a supernatural being being welcomed into our heart and into our mind and allowing him to change our mindset so we can be different. Let's, let's stand up. We're going to sing a closing song this morning. And here's what I want during this closing song. I want us to have a posture of like repentance, almost like, God, I'm sorry for the past and I thank you for your grace, but now empower me to believe who you say I am. So let's sing this song together.